Today's sponsor is Audible.com, the leading provider of downloadable audiobooks with over 100,000 titles and virtually every genre of book. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. Listen to audiobooks anytime, anywhere, on anything. Audible is offering It's That Episode listeners a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial. Go to audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan. Also, be sure to check out Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell this Thursday at midnight on Adult Swim. I'm in it, and it was created by some of the creators behind Aqua Teen Hunger Force and Squidbillies and Stroker and Hoop, and it's a blast. It's a laugh and a half. Make sure to check it out, and let's get to the episode. Well, it's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment to watch any TV show they choose. We watch it, we talk about it, we talk about a bunch of other crap. Uh, Today, my very special guest is Max Silvestri, who you might know. He uh, hosts The Big Terrific, one of New York's longest-running comedy shows, and he writes for such places as Grantland. Please welcome Max. Nobody in the room. (laughs) Hi, Craig. Thanks for having me here in this room where it's just the two of us. Where it's just the two of us. Yeah. (laughs) I just didn't look at you while... while You did move your arm in a way that seemed to be indicating other people. Um, Yeah. Well, like, let's treat this as if there's an audience. (laughs) Let's treat it like a professional podcast that is recorded in front of a live audience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, sorry to the, everybody in the room for uh, this banter. but um, So welcome. Actually, I realized as you're coming over that we both did Best Night Ever, yeah. which is a version of basically this podcast. It was kind of like the first podcast, I feel yeah, like. That's true, yeah. Because, um, so to, to give background, if, if you were not really into VH1 in 2007, uh, basically they... Best week ever, the first iteration was on the air, and they were like first playing with how to put it on iTunes. This is like, there weren't iPhones then, there were like, but there were video iPods. So like people could, there wasn't really an iTunes movie store, but like I guess you could get video podcasts. So what they would do is they would like break up the episode into these little two minute things you'd watch on your iPod. And they got so popular that they're like, we need to make more content. So they did this thing where a different comic would come in every night of the week, watch some TV, and make a three-minute thing called Best Night Ever. And Craig yeah. and I were both... And we got paid, like, a ton of money. So much money. I'm still living off that. I know. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I mean, to it's, it's crazy. Like, that was my first year in New York. And to immediately land a comedy job where I was making, for one night a week of work, $280,000 a year yeah. was incredible. You it know, was... full benefits. I mean, it's Viacom, so they took care of you, yeah. you know, top to bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Pension, everything. Like your dream job. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, it was amazing, though. It was super fun uh, and uh, made a lot of friends with uh, Josh and Corey, the yeah. guys who did it. It also had kind of a crazy... As wide a reach as, like, nearly anything that I've done. It's so funny because I uh, I don't think it – because it was so insulated and I sort of wasn't involved. Like, I was in an improv group with Corey. I sort of mentioned I might be interested. He brought me in and then they had – and I feel like I was totally out of the loop of everybody else who was doing it. So I didn't realize, like – Wow, people actually watch this and stuff. I just like had a ton of fun, but I was not like linked into the the uh, like I didn't realize how. I mean, I sort of similarly, I wasn't like involved with the best week ever show or anything. I just sort of like knew someone there, and they brought me in. But like, I would get like there was this like sixteen year old girl that would send me that lived in like a farm in the Midwest and seemed like a little slow, and she would send me 
just like this is what's up with me these were like direct facebook messages like she was like i'm a fan of the like the best night ever and i was like oh thanks and then she would just be like hey so i think i'm gonna go to mcdonald's tonight like would write these weird long messages and then some would you respond to them no, no. I was, like, made very uncomfortable by like, all okay, of it. It was I'm like a child. <laughs> yeah. Talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't want to, like, somehow be complicit in this unhealthy pen palmanship or whatever. Pen palmanship is the word. Uh, and then, yeah, like, I got stopped on the street. One, like, that's never happened for any other that, stuff I, I've done. I don't mean to say, like, this was just the beginning of a, you know. I think, in fact, I was the only time I've ever been, like, recognized. Oh, the uh, Not directly within five blocks of UCB was, like, <laughs> uh, somebody on the train was like, oh, my God, you do best night ever and i was like oh yeah and like and it was like and i think they might have asked like do you know max you know <laughs> <laughs> this this girl stopped me and it was like literally the only time that this has happened like in the streets of soho and she was like six feet tall and she was like hey like you do best night ever and she like ended up finding me on Facebook or whatever, and it turned out she had just finished taping like America's Next Top Model, but was like a crazy comedy dork and i was like she wasn't like hitting on me she just was like really into comedy and thought that because i was on best night ever i was like i don't know best friends with uh doug benson or like she she just like thought that we all just like hung out in the same clubhouse and we're all millionaires or whatever uh but then like i clearly wanted to like hang out with her and i sent her like such a weird message being like hey like maybe we could like thanks so much for saying a nice thing about best night ever like maybe we could meet up for a drink or something sometime like you know what i do but i don't know what you do maybe and what i said was maybe you do something that i'm a fan of oh. not realizing how creepy that sounded and i sent it and i was like wait what did i just say so i did that very cool move of immediately writing a follow-up right. where i was like uh hey sorry that it came off like that i didn't mean to sound so rapey and i feel like when you make an adjective out of the word rape it does not make people think you're any less rapey but we did end up having coffee and she was on an all milk diet to what (laughs) to like lose weight since the show or something like that it was like she all she lose weight and gain a ton of phlegm (laughs) (laughs) she was like but it was only steamed milk it was even worse it was like a hot summer day or something we met up and she just had like a cup of steamed milk and then we went into a coffee shop and she got another cup of steamed milk uh and And you guys are married yeah yeah no she's still one of my best friends um (laughs) shout out cecilia (laughs) um that is amazing um that's the the reach of best night ever yeah exactly to this day the ripples are still being felt throughout the showbiz community so here we are years later and mm-hmm. we're about to watch a tv show that you chose yeah, i did choose um, this why don't you w- tell us what show you want to watch you know uh i wanted to sort of i'm uh I, well, the show i picked is called airwolf and it aired in the early 80s um kind of i think 84 to like maybe ran for three or four seasons I think it ran for three seasons and then got picked up by usa network where they didn't have any of the original characters really and did one more season so they could get syndication oh okay because i that's you know it, it premiered in 84 i didn't watch it i was one then but mm-hmm. i when usa i guess when they did the fourth season must have then had it for syndication and i like watched it, it was like daytime repeats when i was like right. five or six all i remember about it is that there is a helicopter mm-hmm. um, that I don't know if it's involved with the government. Uh, I don't know if it's like a secret group or they're like a black ops type thing, but I think it lives in a cave and there's a kind of team of people. There's not multiple helicopters, but there's like a team for this one helicopter and they wear like gray jump sh- suits, I think. And Ernest Borgnine is in it. Like right. I remember that. And then the other thing I remember is that Jan Michael Vincent plays the lead. And I think even... 
as a child, I was like, there's something wrong with that man's face. Like he's, uh, he seemed like he made mistakes or something he's got, and maybe he's totally fine, but like even he like has a weird druggy vibe, you know, like it's kind of like he's sort of a creepy lead. I'll have to, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've never seen this show and I did a little research and I, by research, I mean, I read Wikipedia. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so did you like go to the library and go like really deep, like with the primary sources library (laughs) and they brought out these uh, tomes just, they had so much information about it. Just blowing the dust off them. Yeah. Yeah. It was really enlightening. (laughs) And, uh, I read the synopsis. Airwolf is a helicopter. Okay. It's the name of the helicopter, it's then. It's the name of the helicopter. It, it, it's so confused. Like, it seems like it would be a simple show, but, like, there's the CIA, but they call the CIA, like, the family or the firm or something. Sure, and sure. Then, like, there's bad guys, but there's sometimes... The CIA is the bad guys, but sometimes they work for the CIA. It, it's crazy, <laughs> but I will I say... I mean, probably very realistic. I feel like our real... The real-world intelligence, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy out there. Yeah, it's crazy. You don't know well, who's your enemy. <laughs> Whose side who's, you're on, yeah. yeah. Did you see The Good Shepherd? It really explained a lot of yeah, these Yeah, exactly. This is pretty much the Good Shepherd. Um, this is the inspiration, and not the real story of the Good Shepherd, which happened in reality. And uh, but one thing that I found out is that this show is executive produced and created by Donald P. Balisario. I'm a big fan of almost all his works. So yeah, so he made. I didn't. This is through this podcast. I've learned I was a big Quantum Leap fan growing yes, up. Yes, same, same. I almost picked a Quantum Leap episode, but I was like, I bet that's been done. We or just watched, yeah, we yeah, just watched one. And but listen, I'd watch it again. I tell people, I tell people not to read. But I do <laughs> but, um, he loves producing dramas with tall men. Yes, and with with uh, with Navy. He, I think he was in the Marine Corps. He did so. He did Quantum Leap. He also did Magnum PI, yep, which, Jag, which I also watched for this uh, Jag, which is about. Um, Air Force lawyers? The Judge Advocate General, which are like Navy lawyers. And sometimes they do Navy crimes, but sometimes it's regular crimes that have Navy jurisdiction. I don't know if it's like someone's trying to rob a ship or how it works. It sounds like like when you just said, what's it? Judge Advocate General. Like uh, selling a a show where that uh, it's an abbreviation of that. Right. He's got to be good. Like to be able to sell. And that the abbreviation is JAG. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So he's he's like, um, I guess he's made a ton of series that sort of involve like Marines or Navy or whatever yeah. and CIA. And this is one of them that I just sort of have never seen, but I've, I've heard about it. And it also seems maybe I should know this, but I think maybe Knight Rider was like a little bit before this or this, like, yeah. Uh, or around the same time, the fact that it's about, like, it's about a vehicle that has a name. Yes. And I kind of, I mean, I almost feel like the A-Team was a little bit tapping into that, too. The, like, sort of 80s Brandon Tartikoff, whatever that, like, uh, NBC executive that was just like, let's have shows where shit blows up. Yeah. And there's vehicles that jump over things. Yeah. And we're in the middle of the Cold War. Let's just... Show yeah. People that, then what what can happen out there? I you would ask me to pick a specific episode. I didn't know. Like I didn't want to do a lot of research. I kind of want to revisit this. Yeah. Basically, not having seen it in eighteen years or however long. Um. But I found an Airwolf fan site that had the definitive ranking by fans, by the real fans, of what the best episodes are. And this is the season one finale called To Snare a Wolf, which I think is an allusion to uh, how you snare wolves. <laughs> and also, yeah. The Airwolf is that like. Classic wolf like, snare. Yeah, it sort of sounds like airwolf snare. They could have just called it snare wolf. 
<laughs> it's strange that they didn't. It's probably why the show didn't get five seasons. Um, but uh, yeah, this got a perfect six out of six, which was the scale they used on this fan site. Which, if you know anything about uh, critics, they always love uh, six. Six point scale. Six point scales are sort of the... So um, the, the synopsis of via Hulu, it says... To Snarewolf, uh, a ruthless government operator who plans to capture Airwolf for his department installs a satellite detection system to find out where Hawk, Jan Michael Vincent, mm-hmm. is hiding the futuristic helicopter. Wait. For his department? That sounds like, he, like he's like the undersecretary of agriculture, like a government operative. Like, I'm in human resources yeah. in the interior department or whatever. It's a very strange... Yeah, it's just, I feel like th- this show... Where like, does he install a satellite detection? Like, does he yeah, put a satellite in the air? I don't... It, somehow, reading that, I lost, like, total consciousness. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that sentence means. But I'm excited. I like that there's a character named Hawk. That's the lead character. Do you know what Ernest Borgnine's name is in it? I don't know. I don't. I also, I do like that it's Hawk with an E, so that... <laughs> It's a show about a flying thing, right. and his name is Hawk, but they didn't want to be too on the nose. So it's right. like, no, Hawk with an E. It's a family it's name. It's like, his name's Hawk. The ship, the <laughs> helicopter's called the Airwolf. It's like, all right. Let's it's a snarewolf. You know what? I say kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> I'm, I'm really confused. And uh, it says um, that this, this first aired April 14th, 1984. So I was, uh, I had just turned one. I had just, I was in my first two months of living. Oh, wow. So this was... Uh, When's your birthday? February 28th. Oh, I'm February 6th. Crazy, wow. bro. Do you want to throw a joint party next year? <laughs> That'd be great. Like on the, say, 15th or 16th? <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so we can like each do our own kind of like smaller birthday dinners, like the weekends of our birthday. Yeah, but, but then we'll have like invited. a larger... Yeah, no, but only each other and our partners yes. are invited to the dinners, but then we'll have a larger thing. Yeah, but not too large. No, no, no. no. We want it to be, feel intimate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we'll rent out a room. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, great. So we'll we'll talk about that while watching this episode. Uh, I'm excited to see it. Never seen it. Anything you're anything that you remember from when you're a kid, or that you're excited to see, or are you just going in totally like blind? You know, um, one thing is that I feel like there's a mechanic or an associate that has curly hair and kind of a doughy face, and he later played a recurring villain on MacGyver, I think. So I'm eager to spot him. I feel like there was a lot of like cross-pollination. Wait, what on MacGyver? Like a recurring villain. Ooh. Yeah. I, I like MacGyver. I'm a big MacGyver fan. You know, I just sort of got into trashy fiction again, just to like, it helps me sleep, to read like really garbage genre stuff. But one of my favorites from like high school is Clive Cussler. Do you know that author? Mm-hmm. No. He basically, the movie Sahar- Sahara with right. Matthew McConaughey is based on one of his books. And they're Steve's like... Steve's on. Steve Zahn. <laughs> the Steve Zahn vehicle. Um, man, if you ever rewatch that movie, there's an amazing scene, and it won't really read for radio. Uh, but there's, um, they're basically hiding from a bunch of soldiers in like an encampment in the desert where there's like some jeeps and stuff and palm trees, but there's not really a lot of places to hide. I think they're trying to infiltrate it or escape. It's one of those things, Matthew McConaughey and Steve Zahn. But there's kind of an incredible scene where there's like sort of a tight medium shot of a soldier walking through the frame very close to the camera, like surveying left and right, looking for right. people in like the middle of the open desert. And as soon as he gets out of frame, Steve Zahn slowly stands up right where he was. <laughs> but there was like no cover or anything. Like it wasn't like he was on the other side of something. It was like uh, like an elevator trick when someone like presses the elevator button and goes down behind a couch. Like right. was, he was just right there and the, stood up. The only explanation would be he was lying down <laughs> and his back is made out of 
say it. <laughs> but that's not what... If that happened, it happened off camera. But it's just like, it's not really that... Uh, slapsticky a movie, but that's right. just like kind of one incredible part. Anyway, Clive Cussler writes these books that are have this character named Dirk Pitt, who just is like every book opens with him just like railing two chicks and just like being described as being like he's so handsome and his dad's a senator and he's so rich and he's the best at everything and like all the book's problems are just like immediately solved by him and like his only flaws are that like women find him too attractive or he solves God, difficulties too quickly. It's like the the genre of fiction where it's like male leads that have no problems really. It's just like predicaments happen around them, but they like effortlessly glide between them. And I kind of feel like Donald P. Belisario, like just tall, handsome leads that are just like stuff keeps happening, but I'm fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I'll do it and I'll have sex maybe <laughs> right. once or fall in love. And if I don't see her ever again, I'm fine. Yeah. The only predicaments are that women get a little mad at me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? They don't count. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, cool. So let's, uh, shall we check it out? I'd love to. Let's Airwolf. Awesome. I assume that's a tagline from the show. <laughs> it's really quite simple. I'm giving you the opportunity to capitulate in private. I want Airwolf. You can give it to me or I can take it. Officially, all I can say is I don't know what you're talking about. Now that you've totally convinced me of your absolute innocence, I'd like an answer. Where is Airwolf? Well, standing in the grocery line, I hear it's uh, somewhere between modern history and current events. Airwolf was destroyed in Libya a few months ago. And Archangel will be destroyed by a Senate subcommittee in a few days. One reason being his conspiracy with you in hiding Airwolf. Let's cut down the words. Archangel isn't my responsibility. He can take care of himself. Not in this instance. He's overmatched and so are you. Maybe so. I don't know much about this spy game. You're the expert. All I know is as good as you are. If I'd done anything wrong, you'd have got me by now. My satellite will. Well, you lost me again. A reminder that today's sponsor is Audible.com. They are the leading provider of downloadable audiobooks with over 100,000 titles and virtually every genre. You can listen to it anywhere. You can download it. It's fun. It's easy. And Audible is offering It's That Episode listeners a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial. I just went to audible.com backslash Craig Rowan. I looked up some books about wolves because we're talking about Airwolf. They have White Fang. White Fang, the classic book that you pretended to read in high school or middle school. And it's on there. It's by Jack London. It's narrated by John Lee. You can get that in over 100,000 books. Get one on me. Why not? Go to www.audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan. That's C-R-A-I-G-R-O-W-I-N. Just do it, Nike. I mean, just do it, Audible. Back to the show. Okay, Airwolf. Airwolf to snare wolf. Snare, they did not snare the airwolf. It, it was it. The wolf turned out to be an unsnarable airwolf. It was that was terrible. <laughs> very very bad. I can't <laughs> quite place what child me liked about that show. It, it's and I I'd have to say yeah because it was there was so much dead air as you kept pointing out a lot of helicopters taking off yes. and landing. 
Like, there were very large scenes that were just omitted. Like, the main villain of the episode, I guess, gets arrested at the end, and they refer to it in conversation, but they never missed a chance to show a helicopter take off or land. Yeah. Like, each scene cleanly began with a takeoff and ended with a land. In fact, one of the characters that they uh, introduced in this episode, they showed her grabbing a bag from her airplane but they did not show him getting – like they spent 45 <laughs> yeah. seconds just showing her walking into an airplane, grabbing a bag that had nothing to do with the episode. <laughs> it was just very – wow. It was amazing. It, I mean it seems – I guess the show was popular. It was on network TV for three years. Yeah. Uh, and I, I read something on Wikipedia that at the time it was rumored that Jan Michael Vincent was the highest paid American television actor. Which is surprising. I mean, so I don't really didn't really recognize him from. I know the name, right? But I didn't. I oh, it's, so it's such a distinctive name. Jan it seems like a punchline from like early '90s comedy or yes. something like Jay that. Jay Leno definitely <laughs> yeah. made use of that name. But he was, as you said before, we watched it, sort of disturbing looking in some way. Yeah, and he, yeah, his face is just very strange. He has his squinty eyes, his l- sort of leathery, taut face. Yeah, kind of grayish teeth, and like it doesn't seem to come naturally him come naturally to him to either emote or to smile. And each time he did it, it was very unsettling. When he laughed at the end, I was like, <laughs> yeah. just, And when the bad guy comes into the cabin and he sort of like makes a strained face that they hold on for four or five seconds, it was like, that's so, that would be so frightening to a child. It was frightening to me as a 30-year-old man. Yeah, he, it was, he, he doesn't look like somebody that you can relate to. <laughs> right, just right. Like that you, if he was like your uncle, you just like... <laughs> Just being no kid is like I want to grow up and to be like a weird leathery tiger man or something. I mean, well, <laughs> there, there are a few, but um. So one of the first things we noticed, I guess we should give a synopsis of the episode. But sure, w- one of the first things we both or you pointed out, but that was amazing <laughs> is during the the intro, is that they show Hawk, the main character, Jan Michael Vincent, playing a cello cello or but a on a canoe i think like he's floating in the middle of a river so then that sort of reminded me that the wikipedia was very detailed about some stuff so this is just i'm going to read just a little bit from the wikipedia so people get a sense of sure the show um this and the series protagonist is stringfellow hawk his first name is stringfellow yes a loner who lives in a cabin outside of los angeles california in a remote mountain area that was based at lake hemet accompanied only by his blue-tick coonhound, Tet, and the surrounding wildlife. Hawk is a recluse, spending most of his time alone with his priceless collection of paintings, which he inherited from his grandfather. In parentheses, the art was a gift for his grandmother. In parentheses, and, ser- and serenading eagles with his equally priceless Stradivarius cello. His only real friend and mentor is the older, eternally cheerful Dominic Santini, Ernest Borgnine, who raised Stringfellow and his brother, St. John. <laughs> Stringfellow and St. John Hawk. Per- pronounced Sinjin <laughs> after their parents died. Stringfellow's father and Dominic flew in World War II together. Then I'm going to skip down and it looks <laughs> pronounced like... Pronounced Sinjin. The, the fr- St. John is pronounced Sinjin. The CIA is also known as the firm, and this is later. It says, fearing that Hawk would refuse his mission to recover Airwolf, the helicopter, the firm confiscates his art collection and leaves Gabrielle, his co-pilot love interest, behind to brief him for his mission. So basically, the series starts with him getting his art stolen, (laughs) and then he has to fly missions. His priceless, like, 
collection of art that was his grandfather initially gave to his, his grandmother, but they're both dead, and now he has it, but and, not. And Sinjin is missing that because there also was like this after the uh, title sequence that's basically just like shots of the Airwolf helicopter flying around. There is a very fast. 10 second computer-esque sum up as if like a uh, you were getting a briefing from a computer at the government or something and it kind of looks like a scene from like the old Carmen Sandiego video game and that it's like a visual in the top left and like text on the bottom that catches you up being like Archangel works for the firm and he secretly gives mesh missions to you know blah blah and I think it said that Sinjin Hawk is missing, presumed dead. So I think that that's probably a theme that might recur throughout the series is where's Sinjin? Where's Sinjin? Where in the world is Sinjin? Where in the world is Carmen Sant-Jin? It's pronounced Kerman. Um. Uh, So so let's give a basic rundown of the... I mean, I was sincerely confused at multiple moments. And and there were like moments where there would be a minute and a half between any dialogue because it was sure. either a plane landing or, or an outside shot of a... Of it, a it really is, like, intense vehicle porn, you know? Like, even the Fast and the Furious movies or, you know, other things that may be presumed to do that now, like, really fill it with a lot of, like, chatter and stuff to look at. This is... This feels like any of this footage could be used for stock footage. Right, and, yeah, and the other thing about it is it's, like, vehicle porn, but this is, show is, like, 25, 26 years ago, so... None of the vehicles look cool. Like they're <laughs> right, all right. so dated that it's just like I, I mean I assume that's I don't assume that this is still syndicated on channels, but I mean I can't imagine it would be because it's not. They could have cut this down to fifteen minutes easily, and the yes, whole, the same thing would have happened. Yeah, there's so many scenes of so basically uh, all the plot points are told in dialogue. Like not actually that much action happens. Basically characters fly like two helicopters will fly to one place to meet and talk and then they get in their helicopters and one flies to another place to like get in a jeep to drive to a plane like it's a lot of yeah it's a lot of seeing airfields and (laughs) seeing somebody standing next to a helicopter and then getting in it and flying it so the rough plot seems to be that um this guy bogart who is from the department or maybe the firm so i think maybe he's from a department in the firm he's from the department in the firm which is the cia (laughs) okay he sends he from the space agency they don't say nasa he sends a presumably billion dollar rocket into space with satellites to look for uh Airwolf somewhere in the southwest. And that's how the show opens with a, a, a NASA a spaceship, not a NASA spaceship. <laughs> a space agency ship. Uh, f- so as you said, that's billions and billions of dollars. I don't know like what they showed in the, – like the, I guess it's that Airwolf is so special that yeah. it's like high priority to get it or blow it up as he later says. But – the helicopter didn't do anything cool except for have like a speed boost. It's got a boost button. <laughs> it's got uh, what, what do they call it in uh, N O two? What do they call Nas? Yeah, in yeah. a Fast and Furious when they yeah, get the exactly. boost. <laughs> yeah, it's a nitro. It's it's basically turbo. Like Which, that. as you pointed out, like if you were to hit a like jet fuel blast in the middle of like the way helicopter flying is, it's not gliding on air. Like you would flip the helicopter yeah, or whatever. Just- like turn it on its axis or something and so they basically it's kind of almost like a sitcom plot where like in in order to avoid the uh satellite scan there's some gaps in that scan they move it to somewhere the satellite can't find it which is under the wing of an old 
uh, transport plane in a what they call a uh, plane boneyard. Right. Um, so they hide it there. But then meanwhile, they have like a cover gig or a real gig where Santini, Ernest Borgnine, is going to be uh, filming a test explosion for the purpose of making a film about nuclear bombs yes so for the government so basically uh dominic santini played by ernest borgnine his day gig besides for being uh, uh connected to airwolf is that he films films things i guess he works on film crews or whatever but it's usually aerial stuff and this one he's brought in by the government to shoot this huge explosion of like 30 planes yes. dropping the equivalent of what would be like a Hiroshima bomb, but it's like multiple bombs yes. with TNT in it. And um, Is it for like a propaganda film? Yeah, I don't know. I don't quite know what it right. was for. That was fairly... I mean, that was one of the many things I was <laughs> confused about. Yeah. They were pretty nonchalant <laughs> about dropping a ton of bombs. Yeah, and then... I guess Ernest Borgnine owned the plane boneyard, and they just very, like, matter-of-factly told him, like, oh, yeah, the bombs are probably going to hit this boneyard. Like, and that's why they had to then move Airwolf where they'd been hiding it. Like, he seemed totally okay with the fact that this bombing run was going to destroy some old planes he had. Like, I presume there's at least parts in there. He could sell it for wire, you know? Yeah, like and those planes looked like huge. Like, <laughs> they didn't look... They weren't broken down planes. Exactly, I mean, yeah. And and so that's going... Those are the two main storylines, I'd guess, right? Yes. And then there's this other thing where Ernest Borgnine is... There, well, there's a shot of... Um, Airwolf, f- yes, flown by Stringfellow Hawk, <laughs> and Santini's helicopter, which looks like um, a flying American flag, yes, where they're talking to each other, and it just looks like it's shots of their helicopters, so it just looks like the helicopters are talking. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot like the movie Cars. And uh, so uh, Stringfellow Hawk bo- speed boosts and gets out of there, and then Ernest Borgnine comes upon a mayday call of, yes. of a woman on an airplane. Well, he doesn't know when he gets the call. He he sees a plane down. He goes and lands next to it, and it's like a uh, you know open-topped propeller plane. Yeah, like, uh, let's say um, uh, Rocketeer style. <laughs> rocketeer style. So he lands, and he is flabbergasted that it is a woman who is flying the plane alone. So at that point, I was really confused because yes. I thought... First of all, like, women pilots exist. I mean, that's just a thing. I would think so. Maybe it was things were different in 84. Maybe this was very progressive at the time. Yeah. A lot of jokes are made about the very idea, by her included, that a woman pilot could exist. Yeah, and it's also, like, she's stranded. So even if, if, let's say you see somebody who you wouldn't think could fly a plane is flying a plane, because (laughs) she's a woman, he's like, I'm getting out of here. He responded to the Mayday call. Had it been someone less surprising, presumably he would, like, give them a hand. But he's like, I don't know, call search and rescue in the middle of the desert. And it's cold, apparently. Yeah, it was cold. She kept on (laughs) saying it was cold. It didn't look cold. It looked like they were cold. And uh, so eventually, once he gets gets past the fact that she's a woman, he uh, gets her in his, his helicopter... They, he flies her to his... Not his house. It turns out to be Jan Michael Vincent's house. Yeah, that, so I thought they lived... Wait. He's that... a recluse that apparently is very private with uh, a, a priceless cello and a world, like a world-renowned collection of art, maybe still at this point. Because she's the Gabriella that ends up being... I don't think they've stolen no, the art she, yet. No, she's... No, no. She's Antonia. Oh, okay. She's Antonia. So I think we lost... Gab- or we never see Gabriella in this episode. One thing that I read in the Brooklyn Library in the tomes was that... Uh, <laughs> That the second season, for some reason, this show did not appeal to women. I don't huh. see it. I don't see- <laughs> 
so they wanted to add. Well, a, women uh, just didn't know about it. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, this they just missed that channel, and uh, and I think that they wanted to add another a female character, and I think that this was sort of the introduction. I would say a nice introduction for women viewers is just an entire plot point that is just relentlessly berating a woman for the very idea that she can fly like can every fly what? Woman? and she's like i know no one believes it like that's the entirety of her character is that she's a little baddie and uh somehow is able to fly but so let's talk for a second about so she, he drops her at stringfellow's house yeah and between two mountains and so it's weird that uh ernest borgnine does that but then in Stringfellow Hawk's house, there are tons of photographs of <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, yes. So many. There's an entire wall by the sink that has, like, one, there's a headshot. See, yeah. like, just a straight-on, two-camera yep. headshot, like, right to the shoulders. There's also a photo of Jan Michael Vincent. I'm uh, sorry, excuse me. String Hawk and uh, Dominic Santini. String Hawk. And, um... Dominic Santini like sharing a laugh in the cockpit of a helicopter but it's like who took that photo you know they're flying a helicopter together it's a very small space I'm just gonna say this and I don't feel like we learn anything about their personal life like they're not no. real characters at no, all no not at all but it, he that character if that existed is a very strange person uh Stringfellow Hawk yeah like, yeah like he plays cello uh-huh he flies a CIA plane that's a helicopter that everybody's after. He's totally off the grid. I mean, he... He doesn't have any friends but <laughs> Dominic Santini, an old man. Yes. And he is terrifying looking. I mean, that's like some... <laughs> Horrible looking. I, I, I mean, well, who would want to be friends with that? I mean, Dominic Santini's vision is probably bad, and he can probably handle the weird smiles he gets. Yeah, it just seems like the weirdest choice. Every And he makes eggplant parmesan for everyone in... <laughs> yeah, and then... Oh, yeah, so so after he dr- they drop her off, she stays with them, I guess, for the night. And it's meant to be a little, like, foreboding. Like, is she... Yes. You know, uh, is Santini making a safe move by leaving her at their, like, headquarters or whatever unattended he then goes to meet the government or something and just leaves her there and she and this is never addressed again she makes an entry into like an audio recorder (laughs) and she's like one and also she says april 14th that is the original air date of the episode like the hulu said originally aired april 14th and then she's so this all took place on the day it aired which Which is is amazing amazing synergy but she's like i've been dropped off the house of dominic santini like she makes a report as if she's either a reporter or a spy of some kind no matter what it seems like she has some disingenuous something yeah. else going but it's on. never addressed and she turns out to be fine sorry to spoil it if you were trying to yeah. find the episode oh yeah, well, yeah the we plot chronologically a spoiler alert for that one <laughs> um yeah so she stays with him he cooks them dinner and he, yeah so the whole thing is is she good is she bad yeah. and uh string hawk is uh is you know dubious well, maybe he's dubious just because his face always looks dubious like right. he doesn't really talk and he just always looks strangely skeptical and, and and uh, and Dominic Santini and Antonia Donatelli or something like that. They they, <laughs> they they bond over being Italiano. Yeah, and that he makes a big like you're an Italiano. Like, are you a true uh, Italian? And then she says, "Are you a good Italian man?" And they like shake hands, and then it's okay. Like he has a strict no lady mayday policy, except in the case of Italian ladies. Except for if you're an Italian woman. <laughs> so they're having dinner, and and uh, and Stringfellow is trying to sort of suss out is she good or bad, and she goes he. He, he, uh, Ernest Borgnine is like, ooh, I'm never going to say anything bad about it. You're cooking. You made this. And he goes, it's eggplant. <laughs> and then and then she goes, so, like, she's like, <laughs> what did she say? She no, she goes, like, um, have you always um, 
uh, like lived a meatless life. Yeah, <laughs> just ever, goes, yeah, and he <laughs> he just says no. <laughs> yeah, he, just no, and he just stares at her, and it's like she's uncomfortable, but the look he gives is so <laughs> sort of off-putting that it's just it's, it's very like are we meant to maybe there's an episode we missed where he like sees an animal killed and like or you know or maybe animals are his best friends like that might be a character trait we don't know about yeah and also it's like is i maybe assume that he's like oh maybe she's a spy so she's trying to get information but like that, <laughs> information about his cooking like that's not the type of information <laughs> you that, ask a lot of questions <laughs> yeah like like somehow if he mentions he's been meatless for like five years that like that will like open up some more information the story checks out she yeah. reports back to her superiors it's like that that like proves that other stuff about his when character. she's trying to make small talk about his eggplant parmesan very weird the whole th- i mean that that dinner scene is awkward so and and then then while they're on a routine flight they find a homing beacon in their I mean, all the flights, to be honest, feel pretty routine. I mean, they take take 11 or 12 flights a day, which to me seems like would require so much planning and just like calling like towers and like getting flight plans approved and, and pre-checks, you know, just constantly yeah. looking at switches and things. Just seems exhausting to travel that way. Yeah, I mean, there are like when one of the CIA guys, which was my favorite scene of the show, where where Bogart comes to his house, he doesn't travel there in a car. He travels there on a helicopter. <laughs> on another helicopter. You hear a helicopter landing for him to enter the house. <laughs> and um, uh, String turns off one of the lights. He turns off one. <laughs> the, the house has tons of lights he turns off one light in the middle of the room being like well they're not gonna know i'm home as the helicopter will just land and be like uh nobody's home they Never, just <laughs> uh, i saw one light go off as we were landing they can't be home there's no way but um well we have to talk about that scene but we'll go back to that string fellow finds a homing beacon yes. in there helicopter and there's a, a scene that's supposed to look like action right they uh string has a sixth sense he's such a good pilot he's like uh bandits on our tail and dominic can't believe it he's like i don't see any bandits he's like trust me they're there and then he looks up and i don't know why just another helicopter existing automatically means bandits yes. on your tail but there is a bandit on their tail they find this homing beacon. That's how it's tracking them. And then to get rid of the homing beacon, they they lower the helicopter near a pig truck. <laughs> it's a truck that has, which I don't think is really how you transport. It's a pickup truck that has free roaming pigs in the bed right. of the truck. And like they're not is, caged or anything. They're just walking around. Only non-aerial <laughs> yeah. vehicle we've seen the entire time, yeah. and it's carrying pigs. And he drops the homing beacon into the pig truck. I, I, and I think the the point of it is that um, obviously, like by putting the beacon on there, they'll follow the pigs. But we just saw the bandit above them. Yeah, like they, they saw <laughs> there was visual contact. Like <laughs> meaning the bandit can see them. Why would it be like I don't know? Our beacon says the pig truck. Let's just keep going that way. Yeah, yeah. It, it made <laughs> they lose the bandits presumably. They yeah. They, so they lose the bandits and then they visit. Antonia Donatelli. Yes. And basically are like, you lied. You lied to me. That's what Dominic Santini <laughs> says. You lied. You lied. And then she says, I did lie, but not in the way that you think I did. Yeah. She was trying to get a job with Santini's company. No one takes her seriously because she's a lady pilot and she, and she knew who he was and decided to fake the mayday to meet him, but not to track him. And but the weirdest thing was like she's like I called you tons of times. He's like you never left a message. And then she's like, 
Well, she said something like, "She's like, have you ever tried to argue for a job with an answering machine or something?" Yeah, but it's like you when you call somebody, you don't need to ask for a job right away. You can say like, <laughs> call "Hi, <me> back. <laughs> this is Antonia Donatelli." Um, I would love I wanted, to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to talk to you. I know you run this business, and I have. I wanted to talk to you about it. <laughs> you don't have to be like, uh, I don't know how long I've got on this thing. <laughs> and make uh, your uh, the, these are my. This is my. Uh, I'm a good flyer. <laughs> Yeah, like that made no. I, I know how to fly helicopters. Uh, just really, really bizarre. Um, and but but that with that one statement saying no, like she's caught in a lie. She admits to a different lie, which I really feel like knowing what I do about liars is like a pretty classic get out of jail. Like liars are just like yeah, I lied, but not about that. You know, like you really try to mitigate getting caught as much as possible but santini takes it he's like all right well moving on oh she also says that <laughs> they visit her at her house but right. she's like i don't have a car i don't have a house all i have is that plane like i guess saying she lives in her plane but she's at her house she's at her house <laughs> she came out of her house to talk to them like she has a house yeah. she, didn't... she has a house in a plane which frankly i don't have a house in a plane that's really impressive <laughs> She, I imagine a plane is incredibly expensive to keep up. Yes, yeah, she. I mean, she has money. I mean, and <laughs> I. But she's listen. She's going to be the love interest or yeah. something. She's and she's also. That's why season two was the most popular television show ever with girls. Ever it was them. Yeah, <laughs> they trumped any TV show. It was it, designing women was like <laughs> nothing. Not that's why they canceled that show. She uh, and she also had this sort of the gray, you point out the gray hair up front. Yeah, she had a very eighties perm and was just like you know probably a thirty year old tiny actress lady, but had these weird gray wisps. They looked unnatural. Um, we have we have to talk about the scene with Bogart and yes. uh, and uh, and Stringfellow. That you mean the climax the, or the scene in the, the house scene in the house because i think that that was the scene probably with the most action or most like exposition the sort of this that was like i would assume is the crux of the show was yes. him like sort of I when want... fans rated this six out of six i feel like what they were rating six out of six was the scene where bogart visits hawk uh at his house and what was the line that he said where he's like not he's like um what was the question yeah there kept being like you, you pointed out there kept being these like big lines that were meant to hit hard you know with kind of like zingers or back and forth but they were all so strangely overwrought and one was like in this instance that's not the case went, <laughs> not in this instance and the other one was uh it was something about um he's like He's like, oh, are you hunting for something, Hawk? And he's like, I don't like hunting. I like fishing. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> okay. All right. What? <laughs> I like to take my cello onto my rowboat and hang poles off the side and play cello. Yeah. My, my million-dollar cello I take out onto a boat on the river. I hope there's somebody somewhere, an Errol fan, that is, has a shirt that says, I don't like to hunt or <laughs> <or> fish. <laughs> and, like, he gets a lot of nods yeah, at like the airport. That. People are like... Stringfellow. <laughs> Stringfellow is is that a name? <laughs> it's as much a name as Sinjin, spelled yeah. St. John. Just very weird. So yeah, that scene sort of like is the sort of like the the bad guy versus the good guy. Yeah, and it's like Bogart telling Hawk, "We know that Airwolf was not destroyed in Libya. We know that you're hiding it somewhere. We know that Archangel of the firm told you." that we're looking for it and that you're trying to hide it, but like his information's wrong. We're going to find it, but I want to give you an opportunity to not blow it up. Cause what he thinks Bogart doesn't want Hawk to just destroy Airwolf so that the f department doesn't get it. But 
they also the Bogart threatens to blow him up and Airwolf. Like it's very weird. The stakes are confusing because it seems like they both want to blow Airwolf up. I'll just say this: you understood that scene much more than I did. <laughs> I, I that makes total sense what you just said. I and I'm I did not. Get what did you think was being offered in that, that scene? That he was a bad guy. <laughs> That's all I knew. He was wearing a black suit uh, and well, landed the, in a helicopter. The other weird thing is that we haven't talked about is um, the other character. Uh, what's his name? Archangel. Archangel, who is. Uh, a young guy made to look much older. He's probably in his 30s, but he wears like a uh, Colonel Sanders white suit and has like a big white mustache and an eye patch and under he, his glasses. He has an eye patch under his glasses. So he's wearing sun, one sunglasses with, or regular glasses with one blacked out. He sort of looks like a thinner, taller Richard Dreyfus almost. Like, oh, okay. With a mustache, a little yeah. Bit, just a little bit. Um, and he, there's like a weird, he has like a, an assistant who's an attractive female who seems smart. And at one point, she says, like, they're going to use high interval satellite scanning or something. It's some mouthful. And I, uh, Hawk says, that's a mouthful. And then Archangel says, yes, it takes uh, impressive oral dexterity and looks at her. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, a weird vibe. Right. But he, but the weird, it's like an eye patch is somewhat like of an imposing that affectation. But like the one glass, he looks like a like nerdy second grader that got, like took a baseball to the eye, you know, like the one blacked out lens yeah, of his glasses right. does not look cool. It's weird though. Cause everything about him seems like he would be a bad guy. Like yes. he wears like a suit that's color coordinated yes. and an eye patch. That sort of, he looks like the guy in the last crusade that, uh, yep. you know, steals the, uh, the cross at the beginning. Yeah. He does. And then is on the boat. So That's they did a bad casting, guys. Sorry, <laughs> Donald. Pete. Sorry, Donald. Pete. You're one Sorry. mistake. But you made one in an otherwise mistake. flawless career. Um, so, and the the climax of the episode is that uh, that there oh <laughs> there's a scene at the boneyard or whatever the bone grave the uh, bone, the airplane boneyard <laughs> where uh, where like ten helicopters surround airwolf right so airwolf is uh so hawk makes it to airwolf which is under the wing of a big transport plane and he is surrounded by bogart and a team of government helicopters who have somehow we never actually i think find out who tipped them off yeah we didn't learn that yeah it wasn't through the satellite yeah and it wasn't through the nice lady now yeah but although it seemed like she would be the only one who would be able to or archangel is question i don't know we, we didn't figure that out but he's surrounded so there's this very strange clumsy scene where the helicopter pulls out airwolf pulls out from under the wing and it's like floating two feet off the ground and it's kind of like a mexican standoff in that like it's literally encircled by other helicopters a hundred feet off the ground and it's like wobbling and circling like making eye contact with them as they threaten, like you'll never get out of this alive. Yeah, he keeps on turning the like the joystick or whatever, and then like you see the plane turn, and it's like whoa, and then like it's supposed to look exciting, but it's just like <laughs> helicopters are kind of like awkward, wobbly things. Like they don't take off. Even Airwolf doesn't take off beautifully. Um, and then the uh, the trick he pulls is he op- he lets his wheels out again as if he's going to land, lands on the ground as if to give them the idea that. All right, you got me. But then he hits the booster button and travels like a car <laughs> very fast away from them and then takes off. I don't know why that worked. I sort of have to assume this isn't the first time he's done that on this series. Like, like, <laughs> like how many moves can you pull in that helicopter? There's not, not much you can do. So he escapes. He, he, he's on, there's a big chase. And then the two plot points converge. converge. Yeah, yeah. As the, they're about to release the bombs 
and uh, Bogart calls off his or his men sort of don't want to go into yeah the they don't want to go into the bomb run area and, uh, but Airwolf does does and he's ten feet above the ground for some reason while the bombs start the stock footage bombs are dropped on him yeah just a lot of like Vietnam bomb <laughs> like that one shot in like Apocalypse Now it's like yeah. that that shot. Um, as they explode, but then the the uh, production value is pretty high with the explosion. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, I mean, I feel like it's a forty second scene of just this canyon just exploding, yeah, constant explosions with the helicopter like it's whipping the smoke into curls and like flying yeah. through the smoke. It's like pretty impressive. I was into that. Yeah, yeah. like that's the six out of six. <laughs> yeah. Like that's all people remember is that one scene. Um, and but strangely, so uh, at, like just seconds before. The the colonels running the the bomb run had been like oh we gotta call, we gotta like call off the bombing because this this Bogart guy is crazy like he's chasing Airwolf into the bombs so it seems like he's following him in there but then suddenly he's just back at the base he lands there yeah he just gets just being it. like okay Airwolf blew up like he's just on his tail and then suddenly he's landed leaves <laughs> like we just see him walk away yeah. like 10 feet away and then loudly over the unencrypted like uh uh walkie-talkie channel that they're using <laughs> airwolf's like you know do you read me or whatever and they're very excited and he comes out of the smoke 10 feet away yeah and they're like how'd you do it and he's like i was born in those hills which I think maybe he like. Was, I think maybe he literally was, <laughs> and so he's extra good at navigating a bomb run in them because he knows them so well. And then just like jokingly over dinner, they refer to how that Bogart was arrested. So bizarre. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Donatella Versace joins Team Airwolf right as right. a co-pilot. <laughs> you mean Antonia Donatelli? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, so when you watched the show as a kid, do you remember like specifically what you liked about this? You liked, I assume the helicopter. I mean, the helicopter seems cool to kids. You know, um, yes, the helicopter. Like, I think I just re- really remember a point in my life where there was nothing cooler than a black helicopter. You know, like I remember reading this like nerdy role playing source book I had, which I never even role played with people because I didn't have friends that you did just it. Liked reading the I liked source making books. characters. So I had this book, Heroes Unlimited, that was like a superhero source book. So I would just like make superheroes up like using the book. And like the book was just like, you know, this is equipment they could have and this is like guns. So when you say you made them up, like you'd you'd write them down somewhere or you just have it in your head? No, no. I would like use the rules of the book and I could fudge it because I wasn't doing it with anyone else and it was just a static book and no one was watching over my shoulder. But I would create a character and then it would just like exist on paper and I would never do anything with it. I just like enjoyed. I was a comic fan and like it was just like fun to make a character. But I just remember like, oh yeah, like even if the character could fly, it was like he should also have a helicopter because it's like nothing's cooler than a helicopter. So I think I liked that, but I'll be somewhat sacrilegious, I guess. I think a lot of the show that I watched was that terrible fourth season. Right. And... In the fourth season, because I guess you were saying they didn't even have the helicopter. I they... think from what I read on Wik- uh, in the Brooklyn Library is that <laughs> that I think for most of it, they didn't have the helicopter. They didn't, couldn't. I mean, think about any footage where there's a helicopter. You'd have to take two helicopters. I mean, that must oh, cost yeah. a ton of money. So I think they used a lot of stock footage from the first. From the original seasons. seasons. But I feel like that later show, that fourth season was like they would there'd be a cool scene. There was like a lot more scenes. I feel like of them like tuning up the helicopter in the cave. Like right. it was sort of bat cave esque that I found very cool. It would leave the cave, which I thought was awesome. And then it would just go a place and they would do a mission. Like, 
you know, in a motel where someone was kidnapped or something. You know, like it was a right. lot more like them with guns, like a team of people like a doing stuff. Oriented, sort of A team style. Exactly, as opposed to this, which was entirely in flight. Yeah, and mostly sort of talking about chasing or talking about finding things yeah. or searching for things. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying that it was kind of like, you know, when you play like a big. Like, when you play a video game that sort of gets monotonous, and you start to realize that, like, every mission is just to, like, go to this place on a right. map, talk to somebody, they'll tell you to go to this place on the map, and then bring it back. It's just, you're constantly, like, making circles on this map. That's what this episode felt like, where they literally would fly a helicopter to talk to someone, fly a helicopter, do another task, and then go home. Like, they was just, right. like, circling with their helicopters. Yeah. It was, like, if this took place in New York, like, they would they would just, there would be no helicopters. They would just take cabs places. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They'd walk or take cabs. Like, there seemed to be nothing about this episode that demanded, it's not like they used Airwolf for anything other than to outrun other helicopters. Yeah, there, you're totally right. <laughs> there was no show that it was cool in any way. <laughs> There's no need for Airwolf. There was no need for Airwolf. It was a very, like, self-fulfilling, like... Only Airwolf is powerful enough to hide itself. <laughs> you know, like only Airwolf could keep itself hidden from slower helicopters. <laughs> yeah, it's am- it's amazing that this show. I mean, I guess it only did last three seasons, but that's a lot. And it had yeah. Ernest Borgnine in it, who's like he's a yeah big big, big gun, right? Yeah, right. He, I mean, he had a he was in Wild Bunch. And, <laughs> yeah, so. he's a huge deal, and he. I feel like he was after this too. You know, yeah. like he was still like a a delightful presence in a film. You know, I mean, I, he's very he's as they say in Wikipedia, eternally eternally cheerful. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, I I I think you were saying that uh, that you visited some fan sites where they they are tours. Yeah, apparently this one site. Um, there's some sort of group of Airwolf fans that um, are so obsessed with the show that they have documented every filming location. Um, and so there is a PDF you can download that's basically a guide to what I imagine is Southern California or the American Southwest of like, you know, where are these airfields were. It's just them taking off and landing in airfields. And I guess if you're sort of into the desert and plains, like there's a lot of that. But to me, it's like if you're okay, if if you're into this show, which is okay, fine. But there's not much to it. Why not? Like, it seems like you should be more interested in military stuff. Like, like, (laughs) why would you visit the place where the boneyard, like, why would you, it's for like amateur aviators, like people that are into like Cessnas and like small, you know, it's like not, uh, yeah, it's so funny because I, uh, another episode we watched Magnum PI and it looks like it's definitely the same sort of fan. Like my, uh, John Murray, who, who watched that was saying that he was a huge fan and that there were tours in Hawaii for the house that like, that uh you know magnum magnum yeah magnum pi lived in <laughs> please call he you know he went to school for seven years please give him the full pi he yeah. earned it he doesn't like being i think he didn't like being called a detective he liked being called a private or something i don't remember i blocked <laughs> but it's so weird because were you you were a quantum leap fan too a huge quantum leap fan and i feel like that this show is was not nuanced at all. You know what I mean? Like there was not a lot. Like Quantum Leap, the plot, the plots are fairly. Uh, this one was so didn't make sense. You know, it was just like very sort of clunky and yeah. As like, there a lot of stuff was just felt like wasted time. Whereas in Quantum Leap, I feel like even though it was technically a higher concept, this yes. like time traveling guy that leaps into bodies during his lifetime, whatever. It ultimately was like a really character-based show, you know? So, yeah. like, there was always, like, new emotional dynamics that were explored. And that was, like, where most of the situations 
I feel like came from in episodes. This, which doesn't have much of a concept beyond like this helicopter does missions. <laughs> My uh, girlfriend and I saw the Avengers on pot cookies, but we like made them too strong. And I'm really into. I still loved it. I'm really into comic book movies, but like on the subway at like 3 a.m. we saw a midnight showing. I was like, "What do you think that Avengers was about?" <laughs> and she was like, uh, six or seven guys do missions across the world like that's what she took is that there was just sort of like vague missions which right. i kind of feel like was the conceit of airwolf just right. yes. a helicopter does missions yeah that's totally true of this and there's like really no exploration of any of the character you know you yeah. think that would, would be what they would focus on but now that you think about it, avengers was about missions <laughs> and about crushing hulk crushing one guy into the ground exactly uh and i guess technically depending on when uh hawkeye was good or bad there were six or seven you know like she was actually pretty spot on with yeah that. that's wow <laughs> um so i have to because this is a tv-based show and uh and we're talking about fandom i have to mention the top chef uh, oh cruise that you went on yes because, i just went on a top chef cruise which is uh, you wrote an article about it i did for uh, this website called eater if you google top chef cruise eater you it's, can read this very long thing i wrote about sounds pretty insane it was really insane i had never been on a cruise uh and have you ever been on one i've never been on one so part of the insanity was just being cruises are bananas um but a top chef cruise like attracted i think sort of a different crowd it wasn't like families and it wasn't old people which i think is what most cruises are it was like late 30s to 50s like couples you know who are into food and or top chef um and there were just like cooking demonstrations all day long and like the pool in the pool area and just like so much drinking. Um, and I just, I don't know. It's like being from Brooklyn, you don't, I don't talk to strangers a ton. Yeah. Or, you know, when you go out in Brooklyn, it's like everybody looks like you and it's like, who cares? But yeah. I, you, you're just seated with open seating on this cruise. Um, and like, so you'll just like sit at a 12 person table every night next to a different like couple that is a couple that chose to like, I was sent there. My girlfriend and I like, you know, it was paid for for me to go there. But these are people who were like, no, we want to spend three grand to go on this cruise to see top chefs, you know? So it was just like a lot of really fascinating people. Like a couple got engaged a night we had dinner with them. Whoa. We saw them Wait, later in the night. You... We met them at dinner three hours later at like a bar you know, on the pool deck, they came up and they're like, we just got engaged. We were the first people they saw. Wow. And we like had champagne with them. Did you sense anything from the dinner looking no, back where you're like... not at all. Uh, actually, I sensed in hindsight that the guy was nervous and getting hammered. Like he actually was kind of quiet. And I was like, okay, he seems just sort of like a quiet dude. But I think it was because he was like drinking so hard to propose to her in the stateroom of a Top Chef cruise ship. See, it's so funny. Like, I can imagine, like, that would be, like, now looking back and being, like, we got engaged in an airwolf. <laughs> at an airwolf convention. And I have no regrets. because Well, for them, they uh, Top Chef was, like, their first dates had been uh, on Wednesday nights um, to watch the show and cook together. And then she, this... this cruise was a surprise 40th birthday present for him. Like, Top Chef was very important to them it was a it was a a big (laughs) and uh, like they were this very nice couple from um i think lexington kentucky and i mentioned them in my essay in my article and someone from like the tour company that put it together in bravo had reached out being like oh we liked your article do you have contact info for this couple we thought that was like a very nice thing that a couple got engaged like super top chef fans so i gave them 
the woman's email address and then i saw um on like bravo has a blog called like the dish or whatever which Uh is like it's top chef blog and they had like exclusive like they like a gossip item they had this like interview with the couple about their engagement so um my girlfriend i believe is invited to the bachelorette party and is which is in new york whoa yeah it was like that kind of connections that's great well dina what's the bachelorette party gonna be (laughs) i don't know yet i mean it's very like them visit like they were like we're definitely gonna stay in Times square we're thinking the millennium hotel like do you want to see wicked or like that you know it's like so t- is your girlfriend excited about this or is it sort of seem like because i mean going to a bachelorette party of something that you hardly know <laughs> it seems like it would be fun in one way and then terrifying in another way you know i think much like a cruise i think it's like a terrifying adventure that you'll end up right. enjoying that sounds pretty amazing yeah we met this like these like rich 50 something germans like from hamburg and um outside frankfurt and the guy like lives in colorado half the year and he was literally like a nick kroll character you know that character he does of like the european like in one sentence i was like kicking my girlfriend on the table because he actually said he's like you know like we do grilling like at my house and if we start at 4 p.m and it goes late it like doesn't matter because we open a bottle of red wine two bottle of red wine and if now suddenly it's like one one half hour we haven't eaten it's like not a problem i was like this is unreal that people actually say one bottle of red wine and a one half hour um and then he's talking to me he's like you know but in colorado if you come because at this point I'd already been invited to stay at his house outside of Colorado. He's like, I have, he's like, I have three cars. I just give you the keys to one of them. Um, but he said, his name is Germar. And he said, uh, he's like, we have like a major problem with uh, like black bears, you know, like those black bears everywhere in Colorado. So you need bear spray. And I was like, what is bear spray? He's like, it is like a spray that they hate the smell of, but you have to be careful. It's very strong. If you like, I sprayed one time, it get to my horse under a saddle. I couldn't ride him for weeks. <laughs> I was like, well, like your horse got bear spray under its saddle. He's like, one time I sprayed into the wind and it go back in my eyes and it burned terribly. And I was like, Yes, you have to be careful with where and how you spray bear spray. You have to go to Colorado. <laughs> yeah. You have to. I literally have a text from him being like, have you published the piece yet? And I and, uh, uh, told him that he is in it. But. I feel like you and your girlfriend are just going to have these like side adventures. <laughs> For real, like spinoffs. Gonna- I mean, we walked away. I mean, we walked away with like many people's email addresses. It was like that kind of vibe because also you're so drunk. I mean, I was there for four days and I kept a food and drink diary for the purpose of like illustrating how decadent it was and i didn't really count i put it at the bottom of my piece but i didn't like add everything up i knew it was disgusting but some of the comments was like 56 drinks impressive which like over four days that's That's, like (laughs) it's like a lot of drinks that's that's, 14 drinks a day on average mostly liquor you know that would kill me (laughs) to be fair i was eating five to six thousand calories a day so your body can absorb it was crazy i might i've been back a month and my body is like just starting to like feel normal again like i gained nine pounds on the trip so decadent yeah it's disgusting because like that food it's like people i mean top chef they make amazing food but it's like nobody eats that all day no yeah like at the dinner you there would be a top chef menu like that you could choose from but also like it's a cruise and everything's free so you'd get like three entrees you know you'd be like i want to try all three or if you didn't like something you're like can i just get two orders of the duck instead of the steak you know but i'll still eat half the steak and then the rest of the day you're eating like hamburgers hot dogs pina coladas and like fucking you know three egg bacon sausage breakfast every morning like it's horrendous you look terrible <laughs> my eyes are gray <laughs> you, you look like Stringfellow hawk or sinjin, who we don't know sinjin. If, he's, if he's dead or alive he's presumed looking terrible um well thanks so much for uh checking in introducing me to 
helicopters flying in the air. And you're landing. welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, or should I call it Airwolf? <laughs> Airwolf. And uh, is there anything that you want to plug or uh, you know get out there in the ether? Um, yeah, follow me on Twitter, Max Silvestri, and that's about it. Great. Well, um, I feel like we should. You know, just happen to happen to. I kind of want to like take a helicopter tour of Manhattan now. One of those like one hundred and fifty dollars for thirty minutes with a glass bottom. Let's do it right now. What are we waiting for? Perfect. All right, let's get out of here. We'll, <laughs> we'll meet some uh, engaged couples. All right, thanks a lot, Max. Thanks, Greg. Thanks again to Max Silvestri for stopping by and watching Airwolf with me. If you like helicopters, you like Airwolf, and I mm, like helicopters. I don't know. Who knows? Do I? <laughs> I haven't made a decision yet. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Craig Rowan or become a fan of It's That Episode on Facebook. It's That Episode. And leave a comment on iTunes if you feel so inclined. Um, all right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week with an even newer episode than this week. An even newer episode of It's That Episode than this is right now. It's going to be even newer than than this is now. All right. Have a great night and an early manana. Adios, amigos. Amigos. <laughs>